Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, Red Men Originals podcast time. I'm Paul Machin. Chris Pajak alongside me, uh, and then alongside him is Chloe Bloxham, and then alongside her is Dan Club. Um, mm, yeah, I'm uh, sorry, this laptop is very much obscuring your beautiful face there, Chris. I'm just going to lower it down a touch. Um, said it, didn't I? Before yeah. the show. What, 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 Sorry, it, it was higher than my belly as well. Though, so it, was <laughs> it, it was, you know, checks and balances, me. Yeah, um, be pleased to know, uh, podcast listeners, uh, that me and Chris are not wearing the same shorts and quality shirt this week. We've really mixed it up. Are you wearing navy shorts? I'm wearing navy shorts. Good. Yeah. Me and Dan are on brand. I had, a, I had a stark realisation that I wear nothing but navy jeans but owned no navy shorts. Mm-hmm. So I was matching lots of my clothes to different colours. Oh, God, shorts. just talk about the football, will you? No. Never! <laughs> but I'm Aldi. How's your, how's your Aldi been? <laughs> That's what you meant to start it with. Okay. And you go, sound, thanks. Just cut me here. Um, Liverpool 3, Aston Villa 0. But how was how was she holding? <laughs> I tell you what, if you put it back on the on the two shot and the overexposed legs here, you wouldn't think any of us have been away, would you? Uh, white legs are not that white in real life. I don't think this time around. Mm, um, my holiday was very good. It seems like a long time ago now. Like it was, it was, it was a long, long time ago. But uh, the boys didn't have a holiday at the weekend. Did the Aston Villa might off, Paul? Hmm. Um, they were shocking. Yeah. Like I, because we were going into the game there, and you thinking to yourself here. Yeah, Aston Villa play with a high line, but they, they, they wouldn't against Liverpool. Like We've basically got the best quarterback in Trent Alexander-Arnold in football, and they're not going to play a ridiculously high line. There was a point, even when they were 1-0 down, where their line was set on the halfway line. I'm just thinking to myself, this is stupid, lads. And they didn't seem to change it. They dropped back a bit second half, well, but it was crazy. I just On that, I had two people walk up to me at the end of the game on the cop and say... The exact words. I expected more from Villa there, mm. and um, I yeah, I think the same. Dan, I just they just, I don't know. I mean, look, they played Conference League qualifier the day mm. like two days yeah. before the thing, which is why it's on the Sunday, and why it wasn't televised for those of you who are being in people and go, mm. what, why? Um, and they did rotate heavily for that game, but mm. most of their players were involved in some way, shape, or form. Um, they didn't look at it, but also I, I guess it's one of those is like were Villa crap or were Liverpool really good? Klopp seemed to think Liverpool were just very good at controlling the game. Yeah, and there's definitely elements of that 100. And I feel like we had to be with the 11 that we picked without that DM in there. We had to control proceedings from the outset, and we very much did that. We didn't give Villa a sniff at any point really. But to come back on Chris's point, I was amazed by their tactics because I've always associated with Emery being very savvy, being sort of he set up his teams to negate 
and nullify what the opposition are going to do. So to come to Anfield and play with that higher line was very naive from them, quite frankly. And I was quite surprised by that because I always felt like Emery gives us tough games. He always has done when he was at Villarreal, Arsenal beforehand. It felt like it was going to be a difficult afternoon, but it just wasn't. Villa just played right into our hands and just said, oh, you've got a really quick lad and a lad who can ping passes from left, right and centre. Go on then, enjoy that. And it was just fun in the sun, essentially, for the Reds. It was a cruise, which I did not expect in one way, shape or form. I wonder if it's a bit like anyone who had this on a computer game I had it with like one of the Street Fighter games and I'd play on me and think I'm really good at this and you play someone who is really good and do you think it's a bit like Chloe they, they played Hibernian and he's like well I've cracked this here European football we are ready to dominate and then they've gone to Liverpool and got oh oh no this is a much higher a much higher standard because yeah they were they just they just weren't at Liverpool's level at the weekend they weren't at Liverpool's level but Liverpool also didn't let them play their style of football Liverpool implemented their game plan on the pitch we recycled the ball we kept the ball well the switches of play to, to Luis Diaz from Trent was brilliant the triangles down the right hand side the the one two touches the going goes I just thought Liverpool were absolutely brilliant and Aston Villa had chances here and there I think Diaby had a couple Alisson Becker makes a boss save um, from a header in the second half but Liverpool didn't let them play how they wanted to play even when they did get on the ball I think John McGinn blazes one over the bar and I was surprised by it. And at half time, I remember saying to the people around me, expect them to get better because they've got to come out and come after us now. Expect them to go into a different gear. And the second half, they had maybe a five minute spell at the very beginning. And then it was all Liverpool again. And it was very much like, yeah, you've had your little five minute period. Now the big boys are going to take control again. Um, and Liverpool just controlled the game. I thought the midfield was excellent. Our centre backs winning the ball high up the pitch, stepping in. Joe Gomez and Joel Matip. It, it was their ball every time. They'd just step in on the strikers. I thought overall we were absolutely superb. Um, Aston Villa weren't at the best, but that is still a great side with a great manager with some really good players. And Liverpool just took the mick out of them, didn't even get out of second gear. You you touched on it earlier, Chris. It, just, it was just a wonderful afternoon of footy. You know, the weather was great. The spirits were, were up. You know, it was, it, was, it was just, it felt very familiar. I didn't get that feeling a lot last season. Everything felt... Every time you felt like Liverpool were, were getting a grip on it, it, it would all sort of crumble away. I think a combination factor of the Newcastle result last week, which really sort of seemed to rebirth hope in people, but then to go and follow it up because this was such a banana skin to you know to be a, a bit of a cliche on that. But you know the last game before the international break, you've got all that all that kind of positivity behind you. I think a team that's just challenging for top four maybe make, makes a bit of a hash of that or finds a way to conspire to do it. But as it was. Again, everyone bounced into Anfield. Liverpool put the performance in, and everyone bounced out of Anfield. Yeah, and the early goal helped us again, yeah. didn't it? You know that that that's something to build on. And uh, listen, I've got to go back to the tactics because I, I sort of talked about the high line and stuff. But I'm okay, someone anyone can play a high line, but you got to put pressure on our back yeah. line, and there was no pressure on our back line, so their team was probably scrunched into about 20 yards of the pitch and no one's pressuring Trent Alexander-Arnold's. I mean, how many times did he play an unbelievable ball over the top for somebody to run onto? Like, it was so easy. And I think the Liverpool players must have been looking around, kind of going... What are, they, what are they doing? Like, yeah. is this rope a dope? Yeah. Like, how is this going to work? You're going to be 3-0 down soon. And I, I, it was baffling to me. I thought the whole... I just didn't expect it from Villa, if I'm being honest. I thought we were, I thought they were going to come, be compact, not leave much space in behind. That's why I thought, like, the decision to start Darwin was a bit... I understood it from, like, a... 
a morale perspective. I thought he deserved to play in, in the side, but I thought Villa Villa's not going to be the game. Villa at Anfield is not going to be the game for us here. Um, but it's mad. I, I, I'm trying to pick your brain on this, Chris, because I know you do the deep dives. Matt, today were keen to stress Trent's positioning uh, and they, they came to stress the, the defensive elements of it, like moving Matip more like right Matip and Trent Alexander-Arnold were so much better in transition than Canate and Trent Alexander-Arnold, for me anyway. The two of them knew what the other one was doing and I always feel like, I've always felt sorry so far this season that there's still a lot of communication between Canate and Trent and a lot of pointing is where they're supposed to be. But I don't know, I didn't watch the match of the day analysis. I try not to because I think it clouds your own sometimes when, mm-hmm. you, when you're when doing this. So for me, Trent was very much central. He played that, you know, box midfield role, but he was 10 yards deeper. Yeah. He was in the he was in the back line. He was in the centre right centre back position for me, and Matip was out in the right back position. And there was times when obviously they switched that, but Trent was just loving it. He was like, "Well, no one's coming to pressure me. I don't need to step up into the midfield. I'm just going to stand here and ping balls around." And him just being 10, 15 yards closer to the left hand side of the pitch made those the percentages much better for the switch to Diaz. Yeah. And it's because 15 yards on a 70 yards ball makes a massive difference, yeah. you know what I mean? So in playing that ball from right back, it's not quite as pinpoint as playing it from where he was playing it. And the fact that he could pick out anybody at any point, left or right, and the way that he was sort of, you know, the way he... he he sort of dug out the cross for Matip. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a normal technique. That was the one for Salah over mm-hmm. the top. If you if you look at that one closely, he digs that ball out to sort of, like, it, 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 on a 9-9 nine nine in the golf to put a little bit of a backspin on it to just slow it down a little bit for him. And he was doing everything outside of the boot, like Chloe was saying before, cross field passes. I just felt like... Matip understood more where Trent was going to be, and we were we were already in the right place. We didn't have to react. It also felt a bit done like in, in putting Trent there. It, it encouraged. It probably upset what they were their pressing plan mm-hmm. as well. Because right, they've got to press our press our guys. But like, oh, we'll, we'll press the centre half. But hang on a second. Have we got? Have we? Have we had? Have they got enough bodies mm-hmm. to press that many guys in our back line? and not leave holes elsewhere. So it felt like they got caught between two stools, which benefited us. Oh, absolutely did, yeah. Whatever their game plan was, they weren't able to execute it because of what we did. Yeah. And and Jurgen Klopp deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that, obviously. Because I when, when the 11 came out, I was surprised not to see Endo in there, being dead honest. Because mm-hmm. I like you, I think I thought Aston Villa would sit deeper. It would be a, diff, a more difficult game than as it panned out. But the fact he went with the three technical lads in midfield just meant we absolutely dictated play. But you're right, Villa probably felt like we need to go and get closer to Trent but all of a sudden if we do that we're leaving McAllister Sabozla and Curtis Jones loads of room to do their stuff it's a it's a catch 22 for them and ultimately I don't think they had enough about them whether in quality or tactical now whatever it was to live with us that day and that's again that's credit to what we were able to do and the fact we could dictate terms I think you're right the early goal meant means cruise control from that point on because not only were we dominating possession and dominating the sort of the balance of the game but we won the up by that point as well and all the pressures alleviated Liverpool last season we were very guilty a lot of the time of starting games horrendously it was the opposite this time around from minute one we were at it we were on it the quality was there the energy was there the pressing was there they just could not live with us and that's testament to how we've started the season because Aston Villa are no mugs we've seen that already in glimpses this time around we've seen it definitely the back end of last year so if we can do that to them that's a big statement from us I asked for a statement performance and victory and I think this was both yeah um, just to, to pick out some individual performances Chloe, 
I touched upon it already, but it's a big call to start Nunes. I think, as mentioned, it isn't, it isn't, because, look, it's just phenomenal against Newcastle, you know, and if you're going to do that and you're going to build the confidence of a centre-forward, then no problems with carrying on carrying on with that. I wasn't certain it was the right decision in the build-up. What, was your, what were your thoughts and do you think it was vindicated? Yeah, I, I said straight away after Newcastle he needs to start against Villa because it's it's mad because during the game you're watching him and not everything goes well for him. I think there's one where he's completely through and on goal and his touch somehow ends up at Salah and you're like, oh my God, yeah. just take a nice touch, finish it, it's a goal. And it's almost like when he has too long to think about it, he, he goes all over the place and where it's just instinct that those two Newcastle goals are world class finishes and he has no other option he has to shoot there's no one there with him there's not a, an, enough time to think about it and he buries them and I thought he deserved it and look he enjoyed himself did he get a goal? No it was a cash own goal I don't care what George said over the mic <laughs> uh, but Darwin Nunes ran away as if he'd scored it he was buzzing for himself and I love that he was he caused chaos constantly in behind him and Salah Blue brilliant link up Soberslai as well Trent ball over the top to him it constantly felt like he was causing the space for the likes of Soberslai to run into because he was pulling those defenders by you know they were trying to do the high line but once Darwin Nunes ran off yeah and you had Trent on the ball running up the pitch players didn't know whether to go or to stay uh, and it left a lot of space you know in the middle of the park in between the lines for other players and look he doesn't get the goal but he gets an assist for mm-hmm. Salah. He causes enough chaos. And I enjoyed his overall performance. And I thought when we actually brought the subs on, we got worse. Um, I, I really do. I thought I was loving the energy of the front three and then Gakpo Jota come on. And yet they've only got 15 minutes or so. Uh, but I thought our intensity dropped a little bit. We weren't well, as quick It was quick actually, well, it was, like, it was half an hour. And, you know, with the, with the first, when the first the first like, triple sub comes, I agree, by the way. I'll I, 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 I stick with you in a second on that club because I don't think Gakpo had a good game yeah. when he came on I think he's not had a great start to the season either and that's a really interesting thing because Nunes has basically played his way into the side there the one thing that Nunes has got going for at the moment is that he's not embarrassed to to make an, an idiot of himself there was a couple of times where he's wild into, into pressing he got like sent for the echo and he's flying on the floor and then he gets yeah. up again and then he's happy to, he's happy to go again he's he looks like he's actually having fun on the pitch, which I think will help him yeah. immensely. 100%. And even the one back post at cop end and mm. he misses it, it should just be a goal. He should just put it in the back of the net. And he like, he kicks, but also heads. And yeah. it's like, choose one or the other. He reaches for his right foot, I think, yeah. doesn't he, to kind of like outside no. of the boot, knock it in. And, and then, then as he's it. about to do it, he realises it's too high <laughs> yeah. and ducks and stuff. It's a weird one, but at but least he's laughing. Him and Salah were laughing and yeah. he was like saying to Salah, sorry, because Salah outside of the foot, <laughs> unbelievable buzz. And he's like, so sorry about that but the way you know he signalled the crowd after his goal he puts his hand he's loving life at the moment and if he's you know got the most confidence you keep playing him I don't think like you mentioned Gakpo has done enough I think he I thought Chelsea first 30 minutes he was brilliant and I think he's been good in roles Um, but Darwin Nunes just offers you something different and he caused chaos the other day like you mentioned maybe not always winning the ball high up the pitch but his intensity was there the press from that right hand side was ridiculous the amount of times we won the ball off Luca Dina was was ridiculous and um, yeah it's it's nice to see footballers just enjoying themselves in the sun yeah he, the, the gap post was interesting I think you guys were doing it on the podcast last week about how it might even Danny said it like the Gakpo fe- feels like Klopp's man mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure he's going to be that for much longer if he doesn't you know what I mean if he doesn't put in a big game for us and look 
long season, early doors, great to have the different rotational options. I was hoping when we made those 60-minute changes that we were going to put our foot on the throat and really go for like a 4-5-6-0 kind of situation, but as close as Chris, it just didn't quite develop that way. No, it was... Um, can you remind me of those three subs again? Shot of Harvey Elliott and Cody Gakpo, Gakpo for Diaz, Nunes... Jones, was it? Jones. Jones. Yeah, so the, I thought the Jones one was what really kind of messed up the whole thing for me. Obviously, there's a different dynamic with the forward players. And if you were to ask me first 60 minutes, who were the most influential midfielders? Well, I would have been telling you that it was McAllister and Sobersly. And then probably Jones, maybe third in the pecking order. But the balance when Jones left and Elliot came in is what I think actually unbalanced us. Yeah. Um because there was times during that first 60 where Sobersly and Jones just switched for yeah. 15 minutes. All the time. And like, yeah. and whatever we were doing was going through Sobersly's side. Whether he was on the right, everything was going down there. When he moved to the left, everything started going down the left-hand side. But Jones added that balance, like Wijnaldum used to add balance to our midfield in the past. And so for me, it was it was that substitution, the Elliot for Jones one, that really messed things up a little bit. And I think Jones had a really good game and probably one where he will have gone under the radar mm. for everybody, but his influence actually was key to everything that we did. Yeah, it's... Um... It's just a trick. I thought Jota was really good when he came on, actually, Dan. You know, he's certainly doing very Jota-like things. He's a killer. He wants to get into the 18-yard box. He wants to take it on. He wants to get you in uncomfortable situations. But again, the Gakpo stuff, it just... I don't know, it's, 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 odd. it's almost like the the peril of having a guy who's a Swiss Army knife. Mm. Of At the moment, he's just not quite flourished in anything. I say it's, it's very early doors, but in terms of it, I've got no, I'm I'm thankful that Nunes is up and running because it's very simple to understand how to get Darwin Nunes playing for us. Mm. Gakpo's a little bit more complex, I guess. Well, that's what you want, isn't it? That's the beauty of having all these attacking options and these different weapons come from the bench. If one of them isn't quite firing on all cylinders, that's when you want the other one to be at it and to be confident and to want minutes. And Darwin Nunes at the minute is that guy, like he just is. Doesn't get his goal at the weekend, of course, but I actually think it's one of his better all-round performances for Liverpool because he offered a lot of the stuff that we're critical of him for. Mm -hmm. He often presses, but very much on his own. This time it felt a bit more synchronised. It felt like he was doing it as part of the plan. I think some of his link-up was slightly better. Obviously, guess arguably two assists given the fact that the post for one so I actually think it's all round game usually it's like he's going to get moments he's going to get chances because he's that chance magnet he might put one or two away and he's just chaos this felt like a better all round game from him so that's a real big plus but on Gakpo you're right I still think for me he remains very much Klopp's favourite I think he just is I think in most scenarios most games he would be the man he'd go to he's his go-to guy he'd turn to him in most situations but I think the fact he's been out of position a few games and it hasn't really worked for him so far this season is kind of detrimental to the form he's in now. He's probably not quite feeling himself. Darwin Nunes is feeling himself right now. Like Sobers lie the same because what he's done as well. But Gakpo's probably a little bit like a uh, bit of a slow start to the season. But I have zero doubt in my mind that that'll come full circle and he'll be the main man in a few weeks, quite possibly. Yeah. But I think they're going to switch them around. I think, you know, we're going to see Gakpo in the nine, we're going to see Nunes in the nine. I think Klopp, Klopp, yeah, Klopp called it perfectly. He knew that Aston Villa played the high line, so he played right. Darwin Nunes yeah, exactly. about it yeah. um, to get in behind it, and he was absolutely superb. But him and Salah started towards the back end of last season to have an understanding in those sort of 20-minute cameos from Nunes at the back end. That was there for all to see. They, It looks like Salah has become the creator in that relationship and mm. settled into that role a little bit more yeah. whereas I think when he's with Gakpo he still feels the need to go and be the goal scorer 
Whereas with Nunes, he can settle in and stuff. So I think those two have played really well together now. We're 15 games unbeaten. Mm. So, you know, that, that's a hell of a thing. And if, when we're talking about the confidence of this side now, I think I think it was a little difficult at the beginning of the year for us because of obviously a, a tough game against Chelsea where nothing really went to plan for us tactically and stuff like that. And you pick up this couple of red cards, but this belief's been bubbling under, hasn't it? And then now the lads who were there at the back end of the last season, 15 games unbeaten. And the new lads are settling in. And the midfield starting to dominate, and we've got this conductor in the middle of the park called Alexis McAllister, who everyone's been saying, you know, Gerard and Sobersly, and that name's been linked a lot. But like Xabi Alonso, McAllister is where my head's at at the moment. Like that first touch gives him three yards of space, I, and he's never under pressure. I thought he just was, seems to take his time. It was a really interesting decision to start him in the six. And again, guys, maybe going, well, why is Endo not? But we bought this, 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 you know, proper number six, as it were. And we never need the game for it. Yeah, exactly. With hindsight, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it just never felt uh, began again. My understanding of Villa would be they would be very defensively resolute, so I just didn't feel like we needed a number six in that. And clearly, Klopp went with that. Let's put your best foot forward. Let's get good ball players on the team, and let's actually play footy against Villa. Let's out football them. And uh, you're right, McAllister. I. It's it's interesting because I still think his best position is going to be in one of the more advanced states for us. But if he's that good as our second choice, almost six, it goes back to the Nunes Gakpo thing. There's going to be more horses for courses. I think we were very one paced at the start of last year, mm. um, and look, because of injuries and a variety of other reasons, lack of reinforcements, etc., etc. But it does feel like we're going to have three or four different, completely different ways to beat. Yeah, similar broadly. You know, if you looked at it from space, it would look very, very similar. But actually, when you get into the myopic detail of it, a, a team that's got Darwin Nunes up front and McAllister in midfield is going to look very different to Endo and, and Gapo, for, for example. And it gives them. Yeah, to say McAllister can come in and do that in a that's a good game to come mm. into that and actually and actually dominate it. I, yeah, I was well I was well impressed. Yeah. Very well impressed. Um Joe Gomez, Chris. Bosh. I he's so much better on the left and the right at the centre backs for me. Like him and him and Robbo, I think, really helped to set the tempo for us defensively in the game. I thought the two of them have been brilliant. You know, I've been hypercritical of Andy Robertson over the course of, since we changed formation, of the course of these 15 games, probably, across across two seasons now. But if Andy Robertson doesn't start defending the way that he started that game, I don't think it's anywhere near as easy. Um, they, he seemed to sort of not go forwards anywhere near as much for me. I think he got a real good balance of what he was what he was doing. There was that one where he, he wins the ball and then he plays that beautiful ball in, a one-two maybe, then a ball inside to Nunes. And Nunes looks a bit Gakpo, like first time touching to Diaz and stuff. That was the only time I really remember Robbo bombing on in the middle of a in the middle of the game and I might be wrong there he might have done it a couple more times but I just felt him and, and back on to Joe Gomez like Joe just got did everything right he slips he has a mistake I'm not even bothered about that mm -hmm. because everything else that he did it was just there there was two men on him and he was making himself a, a, a nuisance like they were attacking him over the top he was dealing with it he just seemed really calm and really focused like I know what I've got to do here today and I'm going to do it he's I've said this for a couple of years, Chloe. I think he's got the Van Dyke attributes, not the height and not the overall presence, but he is very calm in possession. He's a cool, he's a cool character. 
he's got the pace as well. But what I liked about him was it was like he was play, he was doing his Virgil Van Dijk impression, but as a lad who spent a lot of time being the covering defender, mm. who who knows he needs to be proactive and he needs to be committed. He doesn't he doesn't like casual his way through a football match trying to show he's Van Dyke. It was a Gomez it was Gomez doing the Van Dyke role and I think it suited him really well. He was absolutely phenomenal. Um every single time that ball went anywhere near him, he was stepping in on it. That Ollie Watkins must have hated our two centre backs because I don't know how many touches he had, but I'm betting it wasn't a lot. Because every time the ball was trying to be held up to Ollie Watkins and they were trying to drag themselves up the pitch, Joe Gomez would just take four or five strides, step in, take the ball and get off. And the thing I liked about it most was how calm and collected he was. He'd win a ball, set it, and then go back into his position. He was always calm on the ball. There was no need to, you, you know, when I think about Virgil van Dijk, I also think about how good he is at switching a ball to Mo Salah and getting us out. And Joe Gomez was doing it, but he was doing it to Trent or he was doing it to Sobersly on the, the right-hand side. Uh, he was absolutely brilliant and look, he's, he's had some criticism and, and rightfully so. He's not being, you know, at the heights that he was the season we won the Champions League. Um, but you can see just how good he is when he's on his game. I'm not classing the slip as a mistake he slipped over so there's not much I can do about that but throughout the entire game I thought beforehand there was loads of people worried about it they were talking about the, the, the fact that it was Joe Gomez and Matip at the back and that actually led into the endo phase as well yeah. let's not forget yeah, yeah. yeah and then as soon as the game started and we were on it and we were we were just so confident in what we were doing you thought I fucking love this duo here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm absolutely living for it. Alison Becker didn't have much to do, but the confidence that that back four gave me, uh, back five, including Alison, I was, abs- I mean, Villa were crap, okay? But also, you know... But if they've not been, players, had they been standing off, it would have been a different story. Maybe, yeah. Mm. And also, that's the other thing. If you actually pre- look at the the you know mistakes we gave away against Newcastle, press us, press us, and we will make the mistakes for you. Uh, and it, it helped that we didn't really have that. Um, but yeah, I thought him and Joe, uh, Joel Matip was brilliant. And also, just on Joel Matip, I've always been worried about Joel Matip in that right-hand side role because I've always thought to myself, well, I don't want him going on his runs again. But you know what? He did it. And I absolutely loved every time he went on a run in the opponent's half and just set it off and got off again. I just think we've got this this thing with football analysis and it's, I think it's, it's exacerbated during the transfer window, Dan, because everything exists in possibility that you can yeah. always go and get better. Yeah. You know, of as though we play Man City every week, mm-hmm. as though we play Real Madrid every week, and every week you've got to have 11 absolute worldies at the peak of their powers, putting in world-class performances, and then you've got to have five unbelievable best-in-the-world players to bring into the pitch. I mean, look, we've had players, we, we, there's been times when we've looked at our 11 and gone, I think he's world-class, world-class, world-class. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that is formed by the coaching, it's formed by the system, it's formed by the overall approach to the yeah. team. And I think this idea of... Gomez is crap and Matip is crap. I've never really bought into it. I think they've got sketchy injury records, which mm-hmm. is which is going to be the concern with having to rely upon them. If we've got, you know, if if we don't get if Van Dijk gets any leng- longer ban, if Canate isn't back, but you know, for soon after the international break, but. Joe Matip's class and he's been class for ages and, and Joe Gomez has got the some of the most wild negative treatment. His head went big time at times, particularly yeah. last season. Mm-hmm. But he's not, he's still young for a centre-half. Yeah. He's got so many of the attributes required and he is, in, you know, he's so well integrated into the side. I'm not saying he'll ever be 
the injuries might have robbed him of the chance to be one of the truly great centre halves. Mm-hmm. But I contend this all the time. Man City play Nathan Ake. Like the, Man City are the best, you know, the, they're currently the best team on the planet by a mile. Mm-hmm. And Nathan Ake still gets a regular game for mm-hmm. them. You don't need to be exceptional. You just need to be able to perform to the level regularly. And it, look, if, if they can perform like they played at the weekend, then sound. No, I agree with that. Yeah, it was a very mature performance from Joe Gomez. And that's not something we've been able to say very often, to be honest. And you're right in as much as I think he's got all the attributes. He's got the skill set and he's shown, he's proven, he's got the ability to do it at the very highest level. There's no two ways about that. And the Nathan Aki one's interesting because you're right. I think if, if both of them footballers are at their best sort of injury free, you'd probably have Joe Gomez over Nathan Aki, but it's just not worked out that way because of the horrific injury record that he's unfortunately suffered. But I will say like the criticism and the concern around Gomez is warranted. It is justified because last season that like that Napoli game was just a horror, horror game from him. And unfortunately we've seen too many of them. Matip less so there was time towards the back end last season. It did have question marks about Joel Matip but he seems to have sort of put that behind him and he's still capable of producing like he did on the weekend. But I was so, so pleased for him and so, so impressed with Joe Gomez on, on Sunday because it was a performance that was more sort of akin to the old Joe Gomez and what we expect from him because he was calm, he was composed. And what was probably the most important moment for me from it all was that mistake. Because previously, Joe Gomez would have made that mistake and crumbled. And you'd have seen a much worse Joe Gomez for the next hour or so. But he didn't. He just brushed it off and went, okay, shit happens. He's missed a chance. We'll move on. And he carries on at centre-back brilliantly. And then he shifts over to right-back later on. He's still sound there. That was massive for me. I think that's a huge point there. Because you're dead right. Because we saw this, like, Napoli last season was a great example of that. He just went. Mm. He made a mistake. And then he made another mistake. And another mistake. And it's like, there's your game done. He reminded me last season of, like, all the players that played for Arsenal in the final like eight, eight years of Arsene Wenger's time who were all just mentally destroyed yeah. from all the pressure being on them and the fans turning them on all that kind of stuff so like Chloe that, that, that point that Dan makes there that could have been like the end of Joe Gomez's game and probably last season it would have been so yeah huge credit to him it's huge credit to him you know it, it's a credit to him that he, yeah. that, he, that, he, that he does manage to not just keep a level head but to actually continue to have and get better that's just the game wore on from that mistake. Yeah, I also think it helped that the fact that Robertson had had a, a, such a boss game next to him as yeah. well. He was in a solid back four, a stable back four. And he also probably, he probably, you know, I think it's Jürgen after the Newcastle game where he co- goes up to him and he looks made up with him. And to have that confidence and positivity around you, I'm pretty sure going off that pitch on Sunday, everyone's turned around and go, used two at centre-halves were absolutely phenomenal. I bet, you know, everyone's talking about how good Joe Gomez was, giving him the plaudits he deserved. Inside the ground, even when that happened, I think, Anfield wasn't as nervous. It what we weren't on the backs of the players. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like our oh, lad. He he did he did well to recover the ball. First of all, has a little bit of a problem. Slips a little bit, and they're in, but they missed the chance. And it felt like Anfield was calm whenever Joe Gomez and Joel Matip had the ball, and that really helped them. And like you mentioned there, he went to right back. Thought he was brilliant at right back as well. Quanza as well, mm. boss when he came on. That kid. He's a youngster and he plays with all the majority in the world. Uh, balls came down to him and you expect people to just panic. Head that now just brings it down, touch, slots it back to Robertson. Go on, lad, you go for a run. Yeah. The Gomez thing, I just finally for me on, on Joe, really more than anything, is like you come into the game when Van Dyke gets a red card and you don't have any time to think about it. Yeah. You've had a week knowing that you're going to play centre half this time around and you react so well again. But I think. 
I go back to that Endo decision and not playing a DM. That tells me that my manager's got confidence in me. Yeah, that I'm, he's, what do you mean he's not playing a DM in front of me? Oh, he believes in me and Joel Matip in here and all that type of stuff. So I don't know whether it was head games as well there or if Klopp even thought about it a little bit. But regardless, I do think that might have helped his mindset going into the game. Yeah, look, and it speaks to the unity of the squad. I was talking to you guys about this afterwards. Sobersly is very good at like just GM people on, on yeah. the pitch and Robertson was doing it as well. So that makes Mistake happened, and actually, in the, the the resulting like breakdown of it, when the ball goes out of play, they both go over something, like and it's not like a what are you doing? And honestly, it's one of those. I'll, I don't want to say like, oh, Van Dyke will kick off and whatever. It's, he might do, he might not. Like, I haven't got any examples to point to. So that's just he likes to stare. He does, you know, it's that <laughs> withering glance. It's the, the, the Gerard, the Gerard leadership model. Um, but he, everyone was around. There was a real unity to the whole thing of like, don't worry about it. We've got you, mates. It, sh- shit happens. Everyone, everyone falls. You did like the, you did the good. Part, the hard part, right? He got mm. there, he intercepted it, and then he lost his balance. It's one of those things. Don't let it bother you. You've not done. You've not fell over because you're rubbish. You fell over because biology and gravity. Sometimes those situations fall fall to all of us. But yeah, the way everyone pulled together, I, I thought it was. I thought it was excellent. The other thing on it is, I've always thought Joe Gomez. You can't just. I. You. You need to run a form, a run of games to really be at his best, and he hasn't had that. He's came in against Newcastle, putting a decent performance there, and this game, you know, it's something for him to build on because you would usually be worried with just lobbing him in. You know, no Virgil. He's gonna have to come in out of nowhere. He's not really played much, and when he has played he's played at right back usually he's you know being the sub for trend so the fact that you know last season I'd have been absolutely nervous for him to just drop into any situation but now it's a case of this is your time to go and grab that yeah. right centre back spot and let's, go and get it well there's a, there's a number of these things that happen during careers and I think there's something to it being Villa who have been very heavily linked with Gomez in the last year or so and there's things where you, where you get your opportunities and you go right are you a Liverpool player or are you an Aston Villa player? And this is not meant as a slight, a huge slight on Villa, but Liverpool fans watching will know what I mean. Um, Virgil van Dijk is not going to become a better centre-half than he's been in his career now at this point. So there's, there's, this is... If you're going to say, I'm going to be the guy, the long-term replacement for Van Dijk, that was a stupid thing to even think about two years ago or, or, or even a year ago or whatever. Whereas there's a point now where they're probably having conversations with Gomez and saying, well, look, Van Dijk's not going to play 50 games this year. You're going to be getting your game in the in, in the back line. You're going to be, need to be ready when that takes that. And if you're not ready and you can't get your head on straight, mate, well... There you go. You'll be playing for Aston Villa. You, you, you know, you're good enough to go and play at, 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 in the Premier League, absolutely. But these are these are your opportunities. So just go and grab them. And, and the Klopp's very keen to stress, and always is. That's fun. That's not scary. If you if you're scared about having your opportunity, then you're not an elite level footballer. You should be reveling in the chance to go out in a in a pressure environment when everyone's looking at you and thinking, "Oh God, is he going to make a mistake or whatever?" That's when you shine. That's that's how you sort the wheat from the chaff. So very impressed. Um, Skip to my Lou with the, the comments on the YouTube says, uh, Robbo was massive. Uh, the whole back line came to play. Uh, genuinely happy for Joey. You can tell uh, mentally the injuries were in his head last season, um, which I think is interesting. Uh, Virgil here saying uh, Gomez looks more confident this season. Um, however, he still needs to be more positionally aware. And uh, Tim Maslin, I think Chris pointed this out as well, but says, apart from when Gomez slipped and nearly gifted a Villa goal, goal yeah, I agree. Um, and just one more on the general, from Virgil on the general um, cover. Quanta's not bad either. The Europa League will be a great platform for him and yeah. also Bacetic and Doak. Uh, also, actually, Nick Black says, that's a very... Doak? Mean Doak. Doak. Ben Doak. 
Ben's Owach. Come on now, Paul. Get with it, lad. What? He's come up this week and said it's Dawah. No, not on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> nope, just no. Just a flat no. No. Uh, and Nick Black is, is a very, very good centre-back in Gomez. I thought there was a chance we were going to get in there yeah, for yeah. a second. He looked at us all. He looked at us all to see if anyone was smiling. Uh, Nick Black is a very, very good centre-back in Gomez and we've seen it. Yeah. Um, if he stops getting injured, he'll become great. Yeah, cool. And look, at this point, if he doesn't become great, fine, but what Liverpool need is more lads who are just capable of coming and playing games let's stop worrying about who's going to be a star or whatever mm-hmm. stars will just naturally develop what Willapool need to get back to being and there's an 11 that all pulls in the right direction because they weren't last season they were a fucking shambles <laughs> like they weren't they weren't like when Robbo's coming out and go, well you meant to cover for your mates mm. and you're like hint hint <laughs> yeah. nudge nudge me mates well I'm running around like a blue arse fly yeah so yeah encouraging very very encouraging from Joe Gomez um, to say the very least Um yeah, that's that for the Villa game. Obviously, plenty more to discuss from it. We uh, Wait, will have been coming. Sorry, you sorry. Like, man. I'm not you... done. Don't worry. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Panic stations there. Like, I want to talk about Solberside for like a, a good 15 minutes. I haven't done for like half an hour. So <laughs> we are going to like <laughs> discussing Dominic Solberside in part two when we discuss the end of the transfer window oh, the players that we've brought in. Don't worry about it. Uh, but if you want more uh, Probably from that should have checked the Avengers, uh, agenda, should we, the three of us? <laughs> the Avengers um, yes uh, yeah, yeah yeah anyway if you want more analysis from this check out the final word show uh, my dad was on that one as well a lot of people saying like where's your dad where's your dad he was on the final word on Redman Plus so go and check that out uh, with Steve and with Ian Young as well so yeah anyway a short break when we return we will be discussing Dominic Summers live <laughs> Alexis McAllister Enzo Gavin Birch Mo Salah and the, uh, the closing of the transfer window Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, we're back. Sorry, we've just seen our <laughs> new Christmas jumper for this year. We've just seen a little sneak preview and everyone was like, it's yours on the floor behind. Too early to, too, too early to show you guys, but uh, it's too hot. Oh my God, so Kimbo, <laughs> can't wait. Yeah, I did see my first Christmas at, at the hotel I stayed at the weekend. Had like a little table saying book now for Christmas with a little Santa. So then just left it on. And nearly cleared it. <laughs> <They> were, <laughs> <laughs> fucking scattered the contents. You're doing your pricks. It's fucking September. Um, right. Oh, look, Steve's in the chat. 
It's got his, uh, his burner account there. Um, right, so let's do transfers. So, yeah, the transfer window is short. Huge sigh of relief. I, uh, I mean, sigh of relief. It's short. For us, but it's not short for fucking Saudi Arabia. Well, let's go. Well, let, yeah, well, let's do that. Let's do that first and foremost, then, Chloe. Um, yeah, my general take on this is it's a bit like having a, a nuclear reactor open. The opening of the transfer window is radioactive. And maybe at first it just warms you up. And you're like, oh, this, this feels all right. It's a bit tingly. <laughs> and then by the end, when, like your fingers and toes have fallen off, you really wish you hadn't, uh, you hadn't opened anything at all. Um, yes, let's do Salah, Chloe. It's going to rumble on. Apparently, apparently the transfer window. I'm going off Chris, who's going off Sky Sports. So, yeah, I've not. It's either Thursday or sometime in the future. Yeah. <laughs> That's Thursday. all we know. It's Thursday until they decide, until the people who own the league decide <laughs> that we'll just open it again to sign Salah. Apparently, Thursday is the closing of the Saudi Pro League transfer window, which means we've got a few more days left of them, presumably pecking away at Liverpool's heads over this one. Um, it threatened to derail, I think, the good vibes toward the back end of the window. Obviously, Gravenberg's coming in great. We'll talk about him in a minute. But yeah, the Salah stuff is, it'll loom until it until the window shuts, at least. Yeah, it will. Now, I've sat here for a good several days now saying it's never happening. You're not taking him. But every single day that it goes on and that transfer window is still open, I still get worried because it, it just takes an outrageous bid for them for Liverpool to sit there and say, well, we can't turn that down because we won't get that in a year's time. And that is my worry. If they just don't come to us with another bid, that would be great. Uh, but the the numbers floating about, once it's 200 mil, you know, Liverpool, I'm not saying they should, but Liverpool might look at it. Um, and it also just disrupts everything. I mean, the entire fan base is on its knees. They just keep going, even though Liverpool have said, oh, right, no, it's not happening. Um, they had all the time in the summer to do this. If you would have put 200 mil on the table down before Jordan Anderson and, and Fabinho had left Liverpool, Liverpool would have looked at that and Liverpool would have had a decision to make. But you've came to us in the dead end of, the, of a transfer when they want transfer deadlines. Eh? When, or the doc who we were looking at years ago has gone to one of our rides and title challenges over there. There's no other right wingers in the world that could compare ever to Salah at this moment. Um, and it, it just tries to cause disruption. Um, but hopefully, you know, he'll stay at Liverpool. We've got through the first hurdle. Uh, there mm. isn't. There might be a couple more to come. Let's hope there's not. But it was boss seeing him, you know, just get on with life and score as well. It, it's great to see that. I just think we shouldn't have roasted him in for any days off. Until yeah. until Friday, mm. to be honest, that like that we like when you went to London last week or whatever, mm. and it's like yeah, I know you're having a great time looking at all the Egyptian relics in the museum and stuff. Like, what are you doing in London, Bailey, lads? Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, no days off for Mo, no international duty, yeah. no nothing. It was like when Ross booked all those dentist trips and then basically told us he got a new job. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? it's, the uh, yeah, hi Ross. The, um, <laughs> the yeah, it's um, yeah, you know, you're right. I think it's one of those where someone just going like. Nick all his clothes or something, so he's only got Liverpool gear. You know what I mean? He's got no excuse. He can't go anywhere. He can't leave the house for a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I am. Um, it's the obvious question, and I think this is what caused the upset because obviously Dan, because you guys were at the coal face on on deadline day. I I was I was doing a three four hour drive, and I was getting the updates via WhatsApp for for you guys. But it was the fee thing that made it complicated because we know that money talks mm -hmm. and there's going to come a point and we know how Liverpool are structured in terms of like they need to sell they do need to sell to buy every football club pretty much needs to do that by the way but 
I think what happened was they went 100 million to 150 million and then it was 150 million and then there was rumours of 175 million. And I think the problem was a lot of people went, if it gets to 200, I, I'm saying yeah. But then it was like... I it would never get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, what if it... If, but until it was 200? Oh, well, I've not... Three, three hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to start with a four. And that's it. There's a fear that Liverpool, because it was very unequivocal. All the Northwest journalists were saying, Liverpool have turned this down. They consider the matter closed. And they're like, well, the Saudis don't consider this closed anyway. They're gonna, they're gonna continue to bell. Uh, they're gonna continue bell Salah's agent lads. Let's see if we can put another twenty million on. I think Sky Sports milked it. Because no. you can say really? that again. Yeah. 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 Because it was the only remotely interesting thing happening yeah. on the day, yeah. which then exacerbates the fear and blah blah blah. Yeah. It was more there was more I think there was more made of it on the day. I'm not saying that it, Liverpool won't deal at some point, but I'm pleased that they didn't just get blinded by the figures because mm. it would have been very easy to take 150 million quid. Because 150 million quid does a lot for it does a lot for a team like Liverpool. Yeah. Um so yeah, whoever was responsible for it, and I don't want to say it was who who may or may not have been responsible for that. Um, I don't know what was what was your thoughts? No, absolutely. What it was, it was the biggest story in town, wasn't it, for deadline day? Which is why mainstream media ran with it and ran with it and ran with it again. But Liverpool made how the... many ex players can we get their opinions? Exactly. To say we yeah. think if I leave, see yeah. what Paul Merson thinks about Mohamed Salah <laughs> leaving Liverpool again, yeah. it'll be too many times. Because my word, who's that? Normally they repeat like every thirty minutes or so. I mean, we were repeating every five minutes about the Salah story. Yeah, getting encouragement from somewhere. Where are you getting the encouragement line? from? Is it FSG? We don't know where they get or is it Salah's from? camp themselves? <laughs> I was like that oh Mason my. thing live, oh. and he went through the whole interview with Mason. Was like, nah, he's too good. Yeah, I want Liverpool to blah blah. And then he went at the end. He went, so do you think he'll go? And he went, I think he will. You know, it's like <laughs> nothing you've just said fed into that. He just, oh. he obviously just went. What's going to get me more on, on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't work to be away. Yeah. Everywhere. I went to the toilet down there and seen Paul Merson's face <laughs> in the mirror. It was heavy, like, honest to God. But you know what? You're right. From a footballing perspective, obviously, we've had, I've had time to sort of weigh it up and sort of assess the different options. From a footballing perspective, on deadline day, there was not a world whereby you can afford to let Mohamed Salah go. Of course there isn't. But from a business perspective, which is what our owners are often criticised for purely being businessmen, which is what they are, of course, they're not bothered mm. about football or soccer, as they would call it. From a, a business perspective, there is a point, a price point, whereby you go, probably going to have to accept that. Yeah. And that felt like if it had have reached the 175, 200 millions, then that's when I would have been panicking. And obviously midway through the day, we knew about the hundreds of 150 rising. That did feel as though you quite easily just could reject that because that's daft. Yeah. It's a lot of money, of course it is. But at that point in the window, with no capabilities of replacing him with anybody, you just get more problems. It's still normal money though. And it's it is, not, though, it but is, you know yeah. what I mean? Like hundreds, 150 million is not stupid money for no. Mohamed Salah. You know, you could say he don't fall over a ball ever since he's joined exactly. Chelsea and he's on exactly. no, But so. had it got to 200 later on in that day, yes. I think we've got a serious problem on our hands at that point. I just do. I think at that point, FSG and them sort of people have to look at each other and go, because I know we had a conversation about sort of Champions League and that was sort of the proviso of it. We'll keep Salah because that guarantees Champions League essentially. But at that point, you go, well, we'll take the 200 million now and risk still getting the Champions League. You really double down on your cash then, don't you? Yeah. So I'm just glad. Well, that decision never came about. It still might, of course, between now and Thursday. But up until this point, that question of do you take 200 hasn't arisen. You know, I have seen a lot of, 
like I saw a lot of the, like the Kaiseido stuff was a PR move. Horseshit. As some guy chatting to me on all, he was going like, uh, "Do you think it was a PR move?" I was like, "I'm sorry, you don't break the British transfer record and and then not sign a player as a PR move unless you're looking for negative PR. You know what I mean? Deliberately, which is mental. Yeah, this is not me bidding on something on eBay out of spite. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, that's another story for another day. Chris's Chris's eBay spiked is the stuff of legend. Um, but there is a degree of this, Chloe. That's a huge. It's the the vast majority of this is a PR move because they've been told Liverpool have told them we're not selling at any at any cause. But it just keeps the conversation going because the biggest players in the world and all the European transfer markets now closed, so they can't really. They're not likely to buy anyone who's really good for the bit but letting everyone know like going out with a flourish maybe Liverpool do deal on him at a big amount of money in which case you've got Salah and if not you've let the world know and also you know in the build to the Newcastle game happening to try and destabilise one of your uh, you know one of the biggest players on the planet ahead of him playing against your other team uh, it was probably no bad thing but there's a lot more at play than just the buying of Salah there is just something or two you, you know you're telling the world you're telling the world that it's not a retirement league even though in reality, it is. Um, yeah. It, 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 you saw the size of that news. Yeah, it, it is a case of they will just go and get the best players in the world and they don't care how much it costs, you know, and that is a worry for the rest of the, the leagues. The Premier League is deemed the best, the best league in Europe. Well, here these are and they're going to come to use. And look, Gabri Vega is another person to look at. He's been deemed, you know, one for the future. Unbelievable prospect. Nearly went to Napoli. All of a sudden, is Saudi Arabia. We'll offer you an incredible amount of money. It's just the start of your career. You should be going to a team where you can be the main man. You should be able to play at the, the biggest height. And he's going to Saudi Arabia where he's not playing in the Champions League, which for me is the peak of football. Um, and it just goes to show that you do not care the stature of Liverpool Football Club like it could it could seem actually quite you know audacious to come over to Liverpool Jürgen Klopp and turn around and say nah we're going to take your best player um, it shows that they just don't care they'll come after whoever they want uh, it's also feelers out for, for next season because Salah will probably go then I, I believe that I think this is the last season that you'll see you know Salah and Liverpool Reds um, and look a deal might be struck before Thursday for that's what happened next summer. It might be a case. Um, but yeah, I'm still going to worry till then, especially considering I was sat there with hardly any signal at all. And all I got was a message from Chris saying, I'm not going to lie to you, Chloe, I'm really worried about Salah leaving Liverpool. <laughs> and here I am. On purpose. <laughs> here I am absolutely freaking out beside a pool for you. And, um, and the entire family there, I was like, oh my God. And the entire family were going off the railings. So yeah, uh, nice one to Chris for that. Really made my uh, Monday <laughs> unbelievable. eBay spice. Uh, Friday even. Um, so yeah, but also, on that um, when it comes to the likes of, of these players you, you mentioned there it has other effects <laughs> if Salah is 200 mil in the summer what the hell are you how much is the person you're getting to replace him then yeah. because like Chiesa is the only one coming up in my mind he's done his ACL before he's not at the highest nothing. point but here you say go to here's, no, mate. here's right, 80 to mil <laughs> because that. we know how much you've got and also the, the price that they're going to raise the, the transfer window where it's ridiculous so what okay let's just have this conversation Few questions. Is this Salah's last year as a Liverpool player, Dan Club? Yes, it is, yeah. Chloe? Yeah. Chris? Probably. Sound. What is the price at which you deal on Mo Salah? 250. Now? 
Whatever the deal, whatever the oh, deal is done. What, next next summer, I would take that one seven five. We were talking about two twenty. I'd probably look for around the one fifty mark. the The bid that they made, if it's an achievable hundred plus fifty for a thirty two year old, is probably enough for me. Okay, because I, I I think I think it's somewhere in between. I think I think if you're forcing Liverpool to accept the bid. And Liverpool are very strong because obviously he's got another year on top of this season on, on his contract. Maybe it starts the weekend at a touch next mm-hmm. next year, perhaps. And I, I just wonder whether you can deal. I think Chloe's point here, whether it's in the next few days, I don't matter because you can you can strike a deal at any point during the season. You just can't actually bring yeah. the player in, can you? About whether they do a deal for next summer at some point beforehand. Now we've talked about it already. <laughs> What's what's the smartest thing for Liverpool to do here is going to be the really interesting talking point. Got it. Time down to a new contract. When they've stopped talking to us after Thursday, extend this fucking deal, <laughs> Buying, give yeah. him a little pay rise. Ooh, <laughs> get that fee up. Yep. And this is the thing. <laughs> this is why I went high really want you all. 400 because grand a week, 500 grand a week, whatever it is. For one year. This is why no, I went higher. We'll add two or three years on top. Okay. But then you're, we're committing ourselves to yeah. too long of a contract with that wage. Yeah. And if it doesn't have to I'm come, saying, it's something we're yeah. tied it's in. It's coming. Either way. The bid's coming. But if it doesn't, if it's just, we'd hate that. <laughs> Only 500k. I don't know what people would hate on this anymore, Dan. To be honest, like <laughs> you know I mean, because there's people who are like, "Whoa, what are they doing? Not accepting 200 million?" But the, and then it's like, "Well, what are they? Why would they? Oh, yeah, mm. you can't win." You, I, I think the, I think they should sort a deal out. Well, because I don't think his value is going to be higher in the summer than it is now. I think you could get 200 million for him this season, but I think you're right. I think it's more. Between 100 and 175 ish, mm-hmm. you know, in that in that bracket, which is mad to say, there's a bracket somewhere in the midst of 75 million pounds. Um, it's just a big bracket. It I, is a big bracket. I go higher because I know who we're dealing with. Um, and I'm going to rinse you for absolutely every penny that high, you though. have. Is I don't care. 150 is getting you this right leg for me right now. So Guess that oil next rig. Season. Guess that oil rig. Yeah, that's pipeline, please. Yeah, there is a but there is a point on this. Is that that's one thing. So like. Mm-hmm. They want Salah and De Bruyne as the next as the next superstars to come into the league. But if there's a pecking order, it doesn't matter who's a better player. It's Salah's, Salah's bigger. Salah. Salah's yeah. a bigger draw than De Bruyne. We it's so known. So Liverpool have got that power in that in that regard. Is that at some point they're going to want Salah, and that could be over the next ten years. They'll they'll take Salah at any point into that league because he will be a draw whether he's literally hobbling around on one on one leg or whatever at, at any given point. So he. They Liverpool have got that strength, and there is a strength as well. I think in because of the Fabinho and Henderson stuff, where okay, all's well that ended well. We've managed to replace both of them and make a, and actually pocket a little bit off the top as well. So okay, but I don't think we took silly money for either of those. And I think with the gift of hindsight, when Caicedo becomes a hundred and fifteen million pound player, I think you probably dig in for fifty sixty for Fabinho just mm. for shits and giggles. Hopefully that emboldens them to to play a bit of a bit of hardball because worst case scenario, you know you you just keep sal- you've got most Salah yeah, playing no, for your team. There's, you know? there's, all day on deadline day, Dan will 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 know this because we did a bazillion videos together. I was saying do a deal for next summer, just do a deal for next summer. Don't do it here right now. I think the the and having now considered the position, I still think that's maybe the right thing to do, but. 
you I've, I've also got this feeling that it doesn't matter what you get for him because it's just one more player in for you because it's like buying a house isn't it mm-hmm. you know we're great oh the market's really good my house is now worth half a million pounds fuck everything's worth half a million pounds yeah. it's like well i get 200 million for well ask someone 200 million for second yeah it doesn't actually do me any favors having all that money yeah, it yeah, actually right. doesn't make any difference whatsoever mm-hmm. almost unless you can buy first yes and that's why you wouldn't do the deal now because if you buy in june and sell in july then you're all right. That's the only, that's the smart thing for Liverpool Absolutely. to do. The other thing on top of this is Mo Salah can play in that league until he's 42. For all, he's that good. He's at his peak condition right now and he's, what, 32? He can play till he's 40 in that dead big. Like, he just can. So yeah. you, you're buying the biggest player in, in world football for the, you know, for exactly what they're after. Um and on top of that, he'll be there for the next six, seven seasons because he's not going to go down. He's your big focal point. The, it's it's not just two years that you're paying for. It's the next eight or whatever off us. Exactly, yeah. And, and look, the thing with Liverpool needs to be, we get confused on this as well, that that's all a lot of like, well, what do you get? You sell him for 200, you get him. Well, go and get him back. Go and get him back. Don't worry about Don't worry about that. Liverpool are going to go What's and replace him. Yeah, no. Literally, <laughs> yeah. That was my first thing. Liverpool are going to go and replace him with a... 40 or 50 million pounds player from the from the Dutch league or from you know from Portugal or, or whatever but that's I'm, I'm by, by the way it, it, I'm fine with that just go and get someone you want to go and get Mohamed Salah age 23 Liverpool don't need I don't think need to be going and making you know, I don't think you necessarily need to make a huge wave with this one um, but what you get the opportunity to do is this is this is Coutinho 2.0 for me of we, we're going to need to replace Van Dijk before long and we're probably you know Allison's got years because he's a goalie, which is which is helpful. But the Robertson thing as well, mm-hmm. and maybe what maybe another that kind of money is a transformative impact on what we do what we do next. So as as far as like we don't, I don't think we're going to need to buy huge volumes of players. I think we've got it. We've got a good a decent number of good footballers. But if you can take him and you go and get a young lad who's ready for his breakout season, mm-hmm. adding into the mid <laughs> uh, in in the midst with a settled. Diaz, Jota, Gapo, Nunes, Gordon, um, and 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 Cole, then that's absolutely fine. But if you can go out and get who's who's Guardiola next summer, who's mm. the, you know who's who's who are the big players that are going to be moving? If that puts you into that market, and we weren't in that market this summer, we just were we weren't in that. Well, technically we were with Caicedo. That's where it's we've got to be smart with that. So I agree. I don't think we. I think it's very it's a very fine balancing act between what. What point do you deal with the most value? But when's the best time for the deal to be struck? And again, who are you getting in to to, to make that happen? If as we well? could sign all of our players before we sell Mo Salah, so then we don't get diddled out of money, that'd be. That's the only way you can do it. Do, yeah. I think the, the thing with with this is it, it feels like there's a there's a line drawn in the sand by Jurgen. Mm-hmm. That was the big difference for me on deadline day and him doing that, you know, press conference at whatever it was, 9.30 in the morning or something, saying, no, he's, he's staying. Like, if you now go against that and your manager, this isn't, I've had a chat with the player and he wants to move on type of stuff is, I no, we're done. And if you sell him behind my back, I think you've got a major issue yeah, with Jürgen Klopp. And yeah. that might be the thing that means we don't deal by Thursday. It's interesting, that, again, because this is the thing we never know. Again, talk about the Coutinho situation. Is that, no, it, it wasn't for a while that it came out. Because, again, people hated FSG it, it, you know, five years ago as well and ten mm. years ago and all that mm. kind of stuff. 
they everyone kicked off because of how Liverpool dealt with it. But it turned out the understanding was that we Jürgen all thought kind of that Jürgen wanted, we, we, we people thought Jürgen wanted to keep him and FSG wanted to sell him. Mm. When it was it was the exact opposite. Klopp didn't want someone who wasn't pulling towards the team and FSG went tough shit, mate. We're not we're not getting bullied in, in the transfer market. So we dig in and then that was the sensible thing. We'll be interested to see what happens of this in, in the future. The good thing is like Salah is just such a professional that he will just crack on. Yeah. He's a star, he knows he's a star and, and I think the team starting well will be helpful yeah, as well because he can see a pathway towards one, you know, maybe leave on a high. Can we challenge for the title? Can we challenge for, for European, you know, for, for European honours? Can I say I've then won everything at Liverpool and then I get to bow out and he gets his big procession and all that kind of stuff. He'll want that and he, should, and he deserves that as well. So yeah, interesting to see what, what comes of that. But yeah, I do feel this is very much like it's kind of the best for all parties in some regards. You know, Salah eventually will fade. Um, and you don't want to be caught with a guy who could have been worth 150 to 200 million pounds. So it's one <laughs> thing to let Genie go for a free and to let Bobby mm. go for a free, but to like, and then to lose money on Mane. But then this, yeah, this, this is, this is something else. Um, had a few comments on, on that one, by the way. Um, uh, was lost, but now I'm found. So how much does it take to let Salah go? 200 million. Let us know in the comments what you think. What would you, what fee would you be dealing at? Um, for, for Thursday. I just mean, yeah, I guess. No, I don't think general. there is a fee for Thursday, but if it started with a five, there's a fee. <laughs> five <50. pounds>. Um <laughs> Mohammed says, uh, so when <laughs> Salah does leave, who would you replace, like to replace him? I would like Rafael Liao. Okay. Isn't he a left winger then? Oh, Kvitscher. Salah Scalia. Yeah. Another left winger. He said, but maybe that's unrealistic. My realistic option is Nico Williams. Um, good. <laughs> It's very good. Um, I thought if they did it right, I thought that Top of Slide end up playing there this season. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't have liked it. I'd be all over Saka. I'd want him that's Yeah. 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 You're right in terms of like that that statement. You've got enough money to go and really wobble Arsenal's knees um, with 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 a big bit on there. And that's almost one where. I do, again, I don't think Liverpool ever would just go, there's 170 million off Salah, here you go, Arsenal, here's 175 million, because I don't think it ever, it never serves the, Liverpool's purpose to inflate the transfer market, because we, it's like anything, it's all, it's all well and good. If you can just about afford a Ferrari, it's great, but if you can't afford to fucking replace the tyres mm-hmm. uh, when they go, then what was the what what was the point? But yeah, I think that's a, I'd be all, I'd be all over that. You know, when it all comes crumbling down this season, when the the pressure of expectation is too much on Arsenal, and they realise they're not quite at that level. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, and what one last super chat before we move on to Sobers Lie uh, from Ashley Frith. I meant to put this in earlier. It says shout out to Dan for all his work. Yeah, Top thank you. stuff. At this Appreciate moment. it. Yeah, nice one. Chris as well. Chris was with me on Friday. No, <laughs> nope. I'll Ashley, take it. No, I'll take Ashley it. Ashley Frith literally chose to spend money to tell you that. He, I he appreciate that. Chris for free. Um, <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ashley's dead too. <laughs> that Ryan Babble, that Ryan Babble interview was special, though. To be fair, I, I give him that. Just quickly tell us about that. Oh, he's boss. He was very complimentary about his namesake and obviously his compatriot. Yeah, he speaks really highly of him. Spoke really well, actually, generally speaking. So, yeah, Ryan Babylon, Redmen Plus, check it out. And there's more stuff going on there today about our new man. So, yeah, all good. Let's talk about the the, the, the midfield rebuild then. Um, I didn't expect to go that long on Salah, so maybe maybe slightly less on Sobo. Sorry, guys. Um, the midfield rebuild, as twere. Um, stay in the test to come. 
<laughs> Stay the tests to come, Chris. Um, but so far, so far, so good. I mean, McCall, everyone's talking about Sobers Lion, rightly so, because he's he just looks like the next Gorgeous. one. Oh, um, <laughs> McAllister <laughs> just slotted in absolutely seamlessly. Just to start with Sobers Lion, though, he feels to me like the next Mane slash Salah. And what I mean by that is Liverpool were quite clearly in for Mason Mount and the same way we were quite clearly in for Julian Brandt yeah. and we were quite clearly in for Mario Goethe. And for one reason or another, they broke down and we went to another another option. Um, it looks like we've just bought a f- we've bought a fucking player and a half. Yeah, I, I say I've said this a couple of times over the last twenty four hours. Is like I was really excited for McAllister. You know, I don't know anywhere near as much about Sly because he obviously didn't play his training. It played his trade in England, mm-hmm. but then now I'm just. I'm, I'm vibes FC for, for Sobersly. All I want to do is talk about him. All I want to do is watch him run over grass with this just this calmness. He's just he's got everything that you want from a player. Technical ability. He's strong. He's fast. He glides around. Nothing seems to stress him out in any way, shape, or form. And I think Liverpool, whoever it was that found out about that release clause, I mean they're getting a big fat bonus, aren't they? Because excuse me, I think he was one of their top targets, but they didn't think he was achievable. They didn't think they were going to be able to get him. And when they found out, and it might be a Schmacker thing, actually, um, and that might be the only thing that he does, but it might be something that we live with for the next 10 years because he's got all the hallmarks of everything a great player has got. I mean, you see him running back at the weekend and you know throwing a slide in in our penalty area from distance, and it's just absolutely everything you want from a footballer, isn't it? And the engine on him, my word. Mm. Like two games, he's gone. we've gone down to 10 men and he's been everywhere and he wasn't subbed off in that game. And and he's still going with five minutes to go. There's, I say for a while. I think people think I've got like this major issue with short football. As I haven't, but there's a point in the it's Premier League. People in general, really, poorly. <laughs> Sorry, um, it's but in the Premier League, it's such a physical league. It's, yeah. it, you know, it's physique, power, and pace. And there's no accident that, that if you if you're over six foot and you've got pace and you're powerful and you're technically proficient. You've got just a greater. You're more likely to succeed. It's like how look, Messi's an absolute alien, but Ronaldo is what you would construct if you were trying to build the best player in the world. Ronaldo has that, and Sobersly's got a very similar sort of sort of build in that regard. He, it's so hard to go out and buy complete footballers or footballers who are going to be complete. Mm-hmm. He, it's so early, but I don't see yet what he doesn't have. He's a leader as well as all that. So like that mental strength as well. He's not just like a Emre Chan had it all, mm. but we always used to talk about Emre Chan brain farts. Like what, did he just lack that little bit of something extra in psych- psychologically? David James is a goalkeeper. That one of those kind of things. He looks like the complete package. Oh, I think we're just scratching the surface with him as well. That's what's so exciting about it because you're right. He's got all the things you just mentioned there, but we haven't even seen it really in full yet because with Chelsea, we already have a kick. We end up with 30% possession. We're down to 10 men for two weeks. But in those games, especially the two went down to 10, he was just like a man possessed. And I said this a few times now. I love our players when they take offence by the fact we might drop points. And he's done that in those two. He's gone, no, not on my watch, not happening. I, I buzz off that, to be honest with you. And he's done it again. But the weekend, that was coming. That was inevitable for me, that goal, that moment. Because he's got that in his lock. And it felt like he was just announcing himself. But the way he celebrated it was just like he does it 
day in, day out, and it's the most normal thing in the world. Like, yeah, this is me. Like, first downfield goal, whatever. This is what I do. <laughs> yeah, Get used yeah. to it, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm that guy. I am that guy. Yeah, don't worry about me. And it's interesting because the weight of the eight shirts obviously weighed heavy on Naby Keita. I mean, a lot of things weighed heavy on Naby Keita, to be honest with you. But <laughs> so for funny. him, it's just like, yeah, sounds. Give me that shirt. Watch me go with it. And I just think we are in for an absolute joyous ride with this lad. And the moment you touched on there was probably sort of the key to entire. I mean, he scores a worldly goal with his long foot and his little size seven shoes, which is a fascinating story. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, his dad yeah. made sure his feet stopped growing. So when he reached size seven, at like age 12, whatever it was, he put smaller size shoes on him, put like a six on him to stop his feet growing any bigger because he reckons, his dad reckons that... It's not just that, it's all, it's all Hungarians that, because yeah. the Puskas had small feet. Yeah, do you reckon and he's that, technically that better? unbelievable Hungarian side from the 50s, which was like the best side yeah. to never win a World Cup. <laughs> and Puskas was in there. So they is literally like, do what the Chinese do. It's like do with feet the, binding. Yeah, 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 this is what they do. And so he's six is, foot odd with seven, size seven feet. Doesn't right. make any sense, but anyway, regardless of that, is not... are we sure this is, <laughs> this is like regardless of that, his performance, his goal was like top top class. But like you say, it's the moment where he's chasing back and he makes that tackle in his own box. You think, God, I'm in love with you. You are everything, everything, everything we lacked last season. He's got. It all. Does it not make him susceptible to tipping over? <laughs> <laughs> it is my best. That's what's happened. He's got his little feet. Wow. Cool. Is this, is this on yep. a plus show that we learned? Did we learn it? No, no, I think no, the no, Athletic did it. Over the weekend, be... I read it in the Athletic, yeah. Mad. Absolutely mad. I don't even know how to continue with that. Someone else <laughs> talk about Summer's yeah. Lane. But Chloe, tell us about how much you love Dominic Summer's Lane. Oh, I don't even have words for it, to be honest. Um, I've never been as excited. I think I said this on the day we signed him. I've never been excited for signing for Liverpool as I am with Dominic Savaslai and already four games in he's shown exactly why um, Chelsea you know I thought McAllister was, was probably the better player and everyone was talking about McAllister and mm. how oh well he's already been in this league for Brighton it's going to take Savaslai some time no no, it's not um, he's I don't want to say he's quickly becoming our, you know, most important player, but in the last three games, he's been absolutely ridiculous. Um, and that goal, the technique, the finish is simply sublime. I actually sat on the cop and thought it, it took a deflection or something. Mm. Everyone was stood there like, is that nicked someone? Like, what's going on here? Like, it felt like it took ages to hit the back of the net. It just glided through everyone. Um, but like you mentioned there, the work rate, the determination, uh, you know, I think we had like five minutes to go. And he's gone from the right-hand side of the pitch all the way into the corner on the left-hand side and blocked the ball. And the crowd roared like never before. 3 nil up, got like five minutes to go. But because he's chased the ball from one corner to the other corner, uh, everyone was up on their feet. He's got everything. Gerard-esque, I don't care what you say. I never saw the peak of Gerard. Sadly, that's just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've seen highlights. I've seen it all. But peak Gerard was when I was an absolute baby. And if he's got anything like what Gerard's had at Liverpool, my word, I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, no, just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I think he just looks like he You could see him being in that pantheon, you know what I mean? Because he's, he's just the right shape. Like He's not like the skill set to Dan, but you know what I mean? I just like powerful, pacey, that, that ability to score those, score wonder goals as well. But he's just... He, he wants it, he fights, and I mentioned it earlier on in the, in the podcast, but there's just moments where he, he's going over to people and he's, he's patting them mm. on the shoulder, he's geeing people up. When Trent goes down injured, he, okay, he goes to get like a, like a gel, to, to you know, like one of those um, glucose gels or whatever. 
but he's one of the ones over there just just checking on him and making sure he's all right. He he's a natural born leader. I got real, yeah. I got real. Like I could see him being. I know what uh, Trent is future Liverpool captain, but it wouldn't shock me if he next summer he's in the leadership group and then you move on beyond that. He's captain hungry, isn't he? Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Also, uh, Jude Bellingham was a player who I was desperate for, and he's being boss. Let's not lie. He's <laughs> literally he is made himself the main man at, at um, Real Madrid but I see Sobersly as Jude Bellingham as well for us the powerfulness he has the way he strides with the ball um, Jude Bellingham's obviously slightly different and he's still scored a couple of goals but Sobersly for me is just I never expected him to be as good as he was so quickly I was really excited about it but my word I, I think we've got a gem it's the way he just he took to Anfield you know we've yeah. seen yeah. him two games now and it's like it's like he's just having a kick around with his mates. There's, there's no pressure yeah. on him. Yeah, like it's, it's mad. Like he must think he's one of the best in the world because he's just come in and it's water off a duck's back. It's mm. mental. Yeah. Uh, Alexis McAllister. Then I'm, I'm so pleased with this, and I think we always go into every season a little bit, a little bit unsure with what the plan is you know are we a bit short here one one place or another I wasn't totally enamoured with the idea of McAllister being like a regular six and look Bacetta were obviously being very careful with him Thiago's had a little setback as well which is which has played into this Endo they clearly need to get him up to speed and I'm also and let's do them both in one I guess I'm not sure he's got the pace for the Premier League and that's is my one major concern about Wataru Endo but um, McAllister's ability to get in there and and drop in and, and still not and not look out of his depth. You know we've played lads in that position in the past. You know, Lallana played at the six of times for Liverpool. Genie Van Alden was okay at it. I think it gets remembered that he was much better than that. He wasn't. Mm. He wasn't great at it. He was just he was, he was acceptably acceptably decent at it. Thiago was meant to be all right, but we you know we had him anchoring the midfielder during the injury crisis COVID season, and he really struggled with it. McAllister just looks like he could play him in any position in the midfield, and he'd be an absolute natural. He looks like he's a if Sobers lies taken to it like a duck to water. Mm. McAllister looks like we've owned him for two seasons, which I think is the highest praise I can sort of give. Anyone want to? I, I think you're right. He has been very plug and play for this Liverpool midfield, hasn't he? And the fact yeah. he's gone about yes. his business so seamlessly is credit to him. Like, Sobers like gets all the plaudits and rightfully so because he's had those standout moments. Whereas McAllister's kind of flew under the radar but done his job very professionally, very efficiently. And that's not to say he won't have moments further down the line because I believe he will. Certainly when the system settles and we're playing better football, Sunday was obviously really good. But there'll be tougher tests to come for McAllister if he continues in the sixth. My overriding feeling on him in the sixth is it remains horses for courses I think in games whereby we believe we're going to dominate possession and dominate the play and dictate terms that's fine and especially that means if Trent can go alongside him because when he did it for Brighton obviously had Caicedo so if he's got another lad there with him I feel like he's more comfortable because he can then be a bit more relaxed and doesn't have to do all of the defensive legwork with Endo, I still reserve judgment on it. The Newcastle game wasn't his finest hour, by any stretch of imagination, but I still think there's a player there and a player that will do very good jobs yeah, for yeah, us in yeah. certain games. But yeah, with McAllister, like I say, it's been seamless his transition to become a Liverpool player. And the fact we haven't had to sort of talk about him in any way, shape or form is actually a really positive thing. Yes. We can just be be happy that he's there and sort of be content with the fact he now plays for us and move on with the, with the season, which is about as much as you can ask for somebody so new. Cool. Mm. 
Yeah, I think he's boss. I think I'll enjoy it even more when he's actually in the position that we bought him for. Mm. Um, I'd love to see him on the left-hand side of, a, of an eight alongside Sobosly and, you know, Mataro, if, if, if that's who plays in the DM. Um, I think he's been boss. The the transition is is what's incredible. The way he just controls the game from that position. He sets us on his way. Um, he recycles the ball. It's like you don't really see him do much spectacular, but it's because he's doing everything simple. The progressive balls forward is boss from him as well. Um, what I would say is I remember Chelsea and, and you know, the first couple of games that he, he played in that kind of role he, he was on the edge of the box and I thought to myself my god what the hell is he doing there um, the other day against Aston Villa he, he didn't he didn't advance up the pitch it was like he understood no no I actually need to stay back now um, but when he does get in and around the areas and advanced data I cannot wait to see that yeah the, for, for me just to try and talk about something a little bit different than, than the other two on there he is he's telling everyone where we're going to play football and how we're going to play mm. Like, and I think he's instilled confidence in the back four to be able to play a ball to him when there are people around him and he's comfortable just knocking it back to them and then waiting and then when he decides we're going left or right everybody knows right Alexis has got right okay everyone to the left and that's the sort of that I said it earlier on in the in the video it's just it's the, he is the conductor and you shouldn't be after four games in a red shirt. Like you shouldn't be telling everyone in the side how we're going to play football. But Alexis has done that. People respect him in the side. You can see that, and he just makes time and space for himself and for others. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, endo stuff. I, I, I make that point. It's only on early observations of him about the about the pace thing. That's the, he looks. He, he looks confident he looks he just looks like a footballer you know what I mean and it's it, there's not we've not seen him he's not played in he's not played in a proper game of football for us really yeah, I, I was getting a lot of stick on Friday in the comments about my takes on Endo and stuff and I felt like I was being harsh on Endo because I still wanted another lad through the door yeah. but it truly is from what I've seen the honesty is he doesn't look fast enough mm-hmm but he looks like he can put a tackle and he's going to do the simple things really well. Mm-hmm. You can hide a lack of pace with, with other players and with your system and stuff, but like, let's, let's be honest, he's probably not going to turn into the fulcrum of our midfield. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? He's a £15 million for, uh, footballer who's probably here to do a job. Let's hope he can do the job. Yes. That's, and if he can do the job, win-win. Yeah, exactly. And I say, you know, we're in a situation where Bacetic is back in, back in training. He's been mm-hmm. back in match day squads. We don't know what's kind of going to happen with Thiago, but if McAllister can do that. And look, McAllister stuff for me is predicated on have we got good quality players to play in advance? And Curtis Jones didn't have his best game for Liverpool against Villa, but he was he was absolutely sound. Yeah. And I've, I've seen people who... who look at games differently to me saying how much our press was just much more solid because Curtis was playing in the was playing in the team um, we've got good we've got really good footballers to do the offensive stuff if, if McAllister really wants to do that I do feel a bit sly on him that he might not get to do as much of it but you know, sometimes you, I say you don't need a perfect 11 depends on what how the, how the season kind of progresses we're going to be doing the other teams on the biased um, transfer podcast after this on, on Redmen Plus where we'll talk a bit about City and about Arsenal and what have you as well and United <laughs> um, looking forward to that but yeah I am um, I was I, we don't necessarily need Endo to be a 10 out of 10 footballer is the kind of thing I'm driving at. I think you're kind of saying as well Chris is we've got other lads who can do the job you can't we had a lot of work to do in the summer the Fabinho Hendo stuff clearly upset what we were doing 
We haven't seen what Gavin Birch is going to be for us just yet. We don't know what Pachetic is. We don't know how we're going to use Thiago. We might have loads of footballers more than capable, and Endo might just be. He might be. A, he might just be a footballer, and sometimes that's fine, right? <laughs> Absolutely fine. Uh, Gavin Birch, just quick then, Clow. Um, how are you feeling when that one finally got over the line? Love it. Absolutely love it. I was always in the camp of giving me Ryan Gavin Birch, and to be perfectly honest, I know he's not the out-and-out DM that everyone wanted, but I do think he is someone that Jürgen Klopp can mould into mm-hmm. whatever Jürgen Klopp wants him to be. The fact that he's already decided to piss off Netherlands under 21 and stay here to, to train and really get to know the system over the next two weeks as boss as well. Um, it didn't work out from a buy-in, but you know you, you're in Liverpool now, and we'll fully get well, behind you. We'll Sadio Mane, and we know he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about this midfield. To be honest, I cannot wait to see Gravenberch, McAllister, and Sobersly in some form together. I, you know, if you told me at the start of the summer, Dan. Mm-hmm. That Liverpool were going to rebuild the midfield with Alexis McAllister, Ryan Gravenberch, and Sobberslie. Look, bear in mind, I didn't really know loads about Sobberslie, but I was aware of the profile and what that you know, this this how the FIFA Footy Manager crew would be all over that as a, as a mm-hmm. signing. Um, Endo and Endo is a sort of like a, a covering sort of midfield. I'd have been absolutely made up with that. Losing Fabinho still feels a little off for me, if I'm being honest. But in terms of replacing. Legs, energy, endeavour, more, you know, skillful, hungry footballers. Physicality, your favourite. Exactly. Exactly. You know, taking Endo out of it just for a moment, Mm. those three, I just, I'm, I'm just made up with the business. Oh know? yeah, one hundred percent. It's hard not to be able to add a bit of your hand off. Certainly, like you say, if we had have ended up keeping Fabinho as well, I think that would have been the icing on top of that particular cake, or as it were, signing somebody of that sort of ilk from a couple of years ago, especially when we got him from Monaco, obviously. But yeah, no, I, I'm delighted with the business we end up doing. To be honest with you, had we not got Gravenberch on deadline day, different conversation entirely. But we've added potential. We've added players with very high ceilings. We've added athletes. We've added very technically proficient players who, as we've seen with Sobersly, will work as well McAllister the same haven't seen that from Gravenberch as of yet but he this is a big old opportunity for him because we've already referenced the fact it didn't work from it by Munich and he is going to be desperate he's going to be very hungry and he's going to have a lot of lot of desire to make this work and I believe he will I really do I think he's a very talented lad who's getting spoken about in the same breath as your two and many your Bellingham to this world when he was at Ajax hasn't worked at Bayern for many reasons I think one of them a couple of them I think Nagelsmann's the one who signed him doesn't work for him so he ends up going Sally Hammerdich the sporting director he was the one pushing for, for um, Gravenberg and he ends up leaving as well at the end of the season a bit of a mess there but this is a big opportunity and I think one he's going to take with two hands and I'm really excited I think for short term, I spoke to Chris about this at the very sort of death of Friday on deadline day is that I think we'll just see him in lots of different positions and yes. sort of dropped into lots of different scenarios, different games, and just let's just see what fits. Just be a footballer for us. Because I think Klopp, that's the exciting thing. Nobody really knows what Klopp will make him into, and that's so exciting. But I also think it allows us, and I said this, it allows us to be a bit fancy and a bit more tricky with our formation. You go to a 4 2 3 1 with this. Mm-hmm. Chloe mentioned there, Sabozlai, McAllister, and Gravenberch. There's your 4 2 3 1. Give that a game. So I'm 
so, so optimistic that this is going to work out. And this is something Chris said that stuck with me over the weekend. I think Bayern's loss will be Liverpool's gain in the long term with this. And I just think it's going to work so, so well. Yeah, just some comments Jen, on this. You don't even remember saying that. <laughs> it was a late. long day. It was late yeah. it was long. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things. Bear in mind, if we signed, you know, Andre in January or whatever, there's your DM. There's your yeah, out and exactly, out DM. Yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah Liverpool, Liverpool didn't want a DM. So everyone getting disappointed about not getting a DM on deadline. They seem pointless to me yeah because they'd come out through James Pearce and you know he'd let us know that we weren't going to sign a DM we were going to sign a versatile player and if you just went in deadline day with that well we got our versatile player that goes back that exactly that was what we've been trying to kind of stress along this way for a couple of things wait and see the patent wait until the patent's finished before you judge you know the brush strokes or whatever but also when you've got an idea of what it is the shooting for then yeah your expectations change when we, we were looking for a utility player then fine I was I've been trying to like place them like for like there's a comment here which I'll come to just to expand on that point in a second but also tomato okay great great name so then those cover seems a good lad and decent utility man give him time so this one from Gord he says Endo is a clever footballer he's perfect sitting back and protecting Milner replacement pretty much yeah. and if I go go stack stack on a saddle alongside each other if you're saying Endo is Milner with me. It's mainly Milner and the fading of Fabinho to some extent. Gravenberg for me is Jordan Henderson. It's a guy who, you know, because a lot of this was made of like Henderson was the six, Henderson was the six. He was, and he was a very good six, but we were desperate to move on from him, you know, and he, he was just our understudy by, by that point. If Gravenberg may or may not be that, but if he is that, then laughing if he's just another guy who can do a bit of six and a bit of eight then that's then that's very cool and then what you were adding in Sobersly and McAllister is is McAllister what you wanted from Tiago perhaps and Sobersly is just your transformative we're changing what we do we just want a fucking boss footballer who's going to score a lot of stuff he's almost the new the, the new thing and what we're bringing in and when you do that I, I'm just yeah, I think it's it's smart. All, all of a sudden, it's a really rounded set of transfer business. But I can't, I can't balance against the expectation of like people might have wanted us to sign someone better than Endo, but they chose to sign Endo. So you can either get a cob on with what they decided to do, yeah. or just watch maybe and see what signing Endo like. helped in in or signing Ryan Gravenberch, and mm. you just you don't know. And on top of that, I think we all want the centre back. We were yeah, all yeah, screaming for one, so I can't give it a ten out of ten window. But in terms of you know young contract, you know goes in 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 a couple of years time, and to think that we're building for the future here and he's leaving us. Uh, by the time he goes, those players should have peak mm. performance, peak years. Um, and hopefully, if he does leave us, then I'd rather he signs another contract. But uh, if he does, he uh, it's really too soon to be talking Sorry. about leaving. Just like. lastly, on the on the centre back thing, because obviously I titled the video about, about Liverpool ready to, to challenge. I feel like if we'd lost or drawn to Villa, I felt like it signified a, a season where we were going to be battling for third to sixth in the league. Still higher, I still think we were, you know, top four more than likely. But it was going to be our focus was going to be much more on the development and there's going to be two steps forward, one step back or two steps forward and two steps back, et cetera, et cetera. I think we, I think we've just about got enough to compete. We're going to need a little bit of luck. And I think the defender, defender thing is where that's going to be, be lynched in that, Connor Bradley not being, you know, having a little injury problem of, of himself. I'm not sure there's quite enough cover for what Trent does without us switching it to, being Simicast or someone on the other side potentially 
how injury pro Matip Kanate and Gomez is going to be the lingering sword of Damocles hanging over our head all season long on this one. But I don't know. I, I, I feel, I don't think, I think it's City's league to lose. Mm. Um, but I haven't seen anything from anyone else so far. It's very early that says anyone's, anyone's going to be definitely better than Man City. I don't think Arsenal look quite, no. quite at Liverpool that. look like they're the closest challengers. I think Liverpool on the pitch with what we've got can mount a challenge if everything goes really, really well. Yeah. You know, absolutely perfectly, and I, do, I doubt that it will go perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I see Liverpool comfortably in the in the top four. I do have a concern with what's going on away from the 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 the, the playing staff and the coaching team. I think the that, that the way that Liverpool have sort of handled this Schmacker Ward Edwards thing is a little bit of a concern. You know, we're hearing more and more rumours about Billy Hogan being the guy who's been in these things when they've got a director of football in. No. I do have a, a long term concern about what's going on there. Obviously there's always the fear that we just don't have enough money mm-hmm. uh, to compete with Manchester City that's always just hanging over our heads like the sword of that so but on the field it feels like there's been a change in the guards and the squad believe that they're good enough mm-hmm. and that's probably the most important thing and while they believe they're good enough I'm going to believe that they're good enough and I'm going to be there every week screaming my heart out to, to show them that it feels like Chloe for definite bringing in of Gapo in January Diaz last last year uh, Sobers line now McAllister they look of the level and I think for a side that's won everything, you see it a lot in history in football where it starts there undercut. And, you know, it's all of a sudden Manchester United are signing Cleberson and Jemba Jemba and the best players to ever play for that team are looking and going, I'm sorry, you with these bums. <laughs> and it feels like we've brought in not just the legs and the, we've brought fucking good footballers in who can hold their own and they're bringing new skill sets and that's, that's actually raising the level of the whole the whole squad. Yeah, it is. There's many leaders now on that pitch. There's people who you can look to and you can uh, you, you can rely on. He's going to get me out of this situation. Remember last season where it was like Stefan Bajetic, he was the one who had to step up yeah. and be like, lads, pass me the ball then because not a user doing it. No, no, we've got an entire midfield for that. We've got Trent. We've got Joe Gomez who's just slotted in and being perfect for a game of footy you know you've got people up top where we can just interchange changing on 60 minutes to bring fresh legs on and the fresh legs are Cody Gakpo and Diego yeah. Jota you having me off yeah I turned around to remember when we used to bring Diva Carigi on and it was like well he's a European like, yeah, yeah. But my point was this is a lad who's now on loan at Nottingham Forest yeah. and we're bringing on fucking international like, exactly. top international it just feels like the, the team feels revamped I feel like I'm it, like you said, vibes, it feels uh, positive. It feels like, oh my God, these are players who, like, the boss in it so far now, but in three, four years' time, I can't wait to see Soboslai, Ryan Gavinbirch, Trent Alexander-Arnold, McAllister, Lewis Diaz. I can't wait to see them then. And hopefully before then, obviously, they can get up straight for years. Um, but it's just a really positive outlook right now for me. Brilliant. Great. Excellent. Oh, it's a great... Winning before an international break. Nothing better. Breathe it in. Nothing better. <sighs> so lovely stuff. I was I had a real fear over that. I said I was racing on the motorway to get back for the game. And part of me was like, I've had some bad times last season when I've been away, missed games. I missed some of our really horrible defeats last year. And I was like, oh God, is this going to be another one? And blah, blah. what happens if we go into the international break and we're not on top? Whereas as it turns out, Man United, I go either what Man United and Chelsea are the ones that loads of people are going to be talking about in a miserable sense or laughing at, and we are included in that. Come Everton and join also us. Also, haven't won in 
four games. No. So. Oh, Evan. Um, come join us for the Bias Transfer podcast over on Redman Plus. We're going to be talking about the Arsenal Man United game. We're going to wrap up the transfer window in general. Uh, really, really good stuff. And of course, as mentioned, uh, Dan's got a whole litany of incredible interviews, including Ryan Babel. What was the one you said just going out later? So I've done Ryan Babel. We've got David Seagal as well, the Opta analyst, data journalist. He was exceptional, by the way. I've also spoke to the We Talk Ajax podcast this morning to get a take from his first club. And the best interview is yet to come. I'm not going to give details away because as Chris knows, I don't like to jinx these things. But genuinely, I've had word from the man. It's going to be on Wednesday and it is going to be the best one yet. I so. don't know who this is. No one, don't you don't know who is. I can tell you guys after, but if this one comes through, <laughs> like, wrap it up, wrap like it I up. believe it will, then it's going to be the best. I mean, Ryan Babble's already on there and the best is still to come. So cool. just saying. Yeah, head to redmanplus.com. Fill your boots on Ryan Gravenberch and Beyond Content videos and in podcasts. Anyway, that is the Redman Originals podcast for this week. Uh, big smiles from everyone for those of you listening. Just, just see the smile that's on your own face and then know that it's on all of our faces as well. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back with another one next week. Ta-da. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.